0: A Quinnipiac poll has just found that 61% of people want to avoid discussing politics at the Thanksgiving table. That is not a surprising number. The surprising, the horrifying number is that apparently 29% of people want to discuss politics at the Thanksgiving table. And do you think that 29% is a really informed group of people? No, you know that that 29% is the least informed group of people in the entire country. You know, and I know, that that 29% should certainly not be allowed to vote and probably should not be permitted in public unsupervised. You know, and I know, that that 29% comprises your silly-haired niece— And your androgynous cousin, and they're going to bring up politics tomorrow, whether you want it or not. So let's all load up on a little bit more rhetorical ammo before we settle down to the Thanksgiving table. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. This episode is brought to you by Good Ranchers. Claim your year of free meat, 15 bucks off, and free shipping with my code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, at GoodRanchers.com. That is GoodRanchers.com. Promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, today. Also, quick reminder, this is the best deal of the year right now. You can get 50% off Daily Wire Plus annual memberships. Dailywire.com slash subscribe right now to join. Speaking of politics at the dinner table, don't worry, I'll get to how sex toys can cause diabetes later. First, I want to open up with... Politics at the dinner table. Joe Biden celebrated his 81st birthday, and the White House inexplicably released a picture of him sitting at a table, not even a particularly grand table, sitting at a table that looks like Truly, it could be in a nursing home with a weird angle. And then this flame, like the very gates of hell were opened up and just a massive flame coming off this cake. Joe Biden gripping the sides of the table for dear life, smiling over the cake alone in a room. Every single thing about this photo is bad whoever runs White House communications, the photographer, the, this is obviously not, doesn't look like an official White House photographer. It looks like someone snapped it on a cell phone. All these people should be fired. The picture is the meme of the dog sitting in the burning house saying, this is fine. It's the, it is so eminently memeable. It's actually a pre-existing meme that, that one posts when things are falling around all about them, which is what's going on in Joe Biden's presidency. The reason I bring it up is not merely to dunk on Joe Biden or to get some White House staffers fired. The reason I bring it up is because this is a perfect example of people being too clever by half. This is a perfect example of political operatives trying to solve a problem and in so doing, making the problem worse. Here's the problem. It's Joe Biden's 81st birthday, and most people think he's too old to be president. So what They ordinarily would have done. Usually once you're above the age of, I don't know, five, instead of putting individual candles for every year of your life, people just put two candles in the shape of numbers. So you'd have an eight and a one, but that would be so clear that Joe Biden's 81. They didn't want to do that. So they said, okay, how can we get around this without looking like we're trying to avoid the issue, but still being kind of fun? And I know what we'll do. We'll put 81 candles on the cake. Yeah, that's the ticket. And then people won't count all the candles. And then we're going to light them all on fire. And there's going to be a bonfire on the White House table because that's a lot of candles because Joe Biden's super old. So while trying to avoid confronting the issue, they inadvertently make the problem worse, which is something that our federal government does all the time, particularly under the leadership of the liberal establishment. I have a second point on this meme that I, I haven't seen anyone bring up other than, other than yours Truly. Perhaps because the left sometimes calls me a, a Putin stooge or pro-Russia or whatever. Well, okay. Here's, I guess here's a point that I got to hand to Russia and to Putin, which is, I don't generally say you got to hand it to Russia and to Putin, but I, here you do. Because I seem to recall months ago, this was back in April, there was a picture of Vladimir Putin sitting at a table. He was having a meeting with some other political person. And he was just holding onto the table. He had his hand on the table, just sitting there like, I don't know, I'm doing that right now. Didn't seem unusual in any way to me. And for weeks, the Western media propaganda, is what it is, ran headlines about how Vladimir Putin putting his hand on the table was evidence that he was on the brink of death, that he had cancer and alzheimers and dementia and osgood schlatter disease and restless leg syndrome and uh, ibs and i don't know what any any number of ailments we could we could tell this because the tea leaf readers in the Western propaganda outlets could see exactly the tension that Putin had on the table. All right. So we heard about that for weeks and Putin's still alive. Then you get to this picture with Biden. The man is gripping both sides of it. I don't see any of those headlines. Rightly so. I don't think that either of those things are evidence that that either man is on the brink of death. But it shows you what the fake news is. This is something, I think Drew may have been the first one at this outfit to make this point since Drew was around when journalism was invented. The the point is that the fake news is not fake because they get some story wrong. The fake news is fake because they view every story through a predetermined ideological lens that is divorced from reality. It's either at least indifferent to reality and very often is outright hostile to reality. That's why it's fake. It's fake because you could show the liberal media two identical pictures of Putin and Biden. The only thing that could be different on the pictures is the subtle facial differences between the two men. And they would read the one and they'd say, see, this, this Putin, he's on the, how old is Vladimir Putin? He's like 70 or something. Joe Biden's got over 10 years on the guy, I think. And they would say, Putin, he's on the brink of death. He's fading. This is, we need regime change. He's going to lead to nuclear war. And then Joe Biden, who's ascent to the presidency, actually has seemed to augur uh, nuclear war to herald the coming of the apocalypse. Uh, that guy, they would say, he's totally fine. Happy birthday. Move along. Move along. Now, speaking of foreign affairs, Israel and Hamas have tentatively agreed to a ceasefire. And hardliners in Israel don't like it. And I don't know, maybe, I think probably most of the pro-Palestine people like it in as much as they want any kind of ceasefire. But what's the American perspective here? Because the American perspective is not identical to the Israeli perspective, even though Israel is an official ally of the United States. And the American perspective is certainly not identical to the Hamas or the Palestine liberation view. So what's the American perspective? I think it's good. I think it's, I think it's a win-win all around. Hamas has agreed to free 50 women and children don't forget Hamas has 239 hostages in Gaza that's a lot of people they've agreed to free a little under a fifth of them this is going to be over a 4-day period it would ex- israel has now said that it will extend the ceasefire by an additional day for every 10 hostages released so hamas has bought itself a little bit more time if they do 10 every day they're going to have you know another 15 to 20 days. We're not really clear as to how many hostages have already died in Gaza. Hamas will release 50. Israel will release 150. So it's a three to one trade. Still probably worth it if you're the Israeli government. Uh, It's not exactly clear when this goes into effect. It's not exactly clear what happens afterward. I think this is great. It's great because Israel cannot agree to just an outright ceasing of the war because Hamas poses an existential security threat by governing in Gaza. So if they say, okay, the war's over, it's all good, and then Hamas rebuilds, we're just going to be right back in this place five minutes from now. Likewise, though, I'm not with the hardliners who say that we've got to just glass Gaza and who cares about all of the civilians and who cares that half the population of Gaza is children. You know, we got to just, we got to do what's got to be done. I don't think that's true either. And I don't don't think that satisfies the criteria of just war. And furthermore, I think the... Perspective that I'm most interested in here is what the American interest is. And as I've said from the beginning, I think the American interest is to contain the war so it doesn't expand. Iran has expressed some hope that the war would not expand. Okay. And looks like Netanyahu's playing ball too. So if Netanyahu can mortally injure Hamas while getting the hostages back, while – reducing to some degree the civilian casualties. That seems like a win-win-win. This seems like actual diplomacy. For much of my life, diplomacy has gotten a bad rap because it, it just seemed like the, the term that liberals used because they were afraid to actually fight our enemies. But diplomacy is a very good thing, and it is preferable to outright, outright war. And one of the big shifts, I think, in the right-wing thinking on diplomacy was Trump, because Trump's foreign policy was unpredictable. His critics would say that it was incoherent. I don't think it was incoherent. I think it was really good. Victor Davis Hanson makes a good good case that Trump had basically the best foreign policy in our lifetime, that you didn't know what he was going to do. He talked like a dove, and then he dropped the Moab. And then he would refuse to respond to certain aggression of our enemies, and then he'd kill the top Iranian general. And then he would meet with Kim Jong-un, and then he'd call him short and fat. And say he's going to blow him up with a nuclear weapon. But then he wouldn't blow him up with a nuclear weapon. And you just didn't know what to do. And that, oddly enough, was diplomacy. And it was very effective diplomacy. And we had relative peace. So if, as far as I'm concerned, if we can fix up the election system, if we can copy you know, Argentina or something and try to conduct elections here in the supposedly greatest democracy in the world, and we can get a conservative elected, then my main foreign policy aim for the next year is just to not only contain the war in the Middle East or contain the war in Ukraine, it's to contain the errors that Joe Biden is able to make. If we can just minimize the amount of of screw-up that can occur under his watch, and we should never underestimate that per Barack Obama, if, if we could just minimize his ability to throw the world into World War III, that would be very much in our best interests. Now, what's in your best interest at the dinner table? Good ranchers. Right now, go to GoodRanchers.com, use promo code Knowles. There's a lot at stake this November. So don't be a chicken and shop at the grocery store per usual. Head on over to Good Ranchers, where they've got great meat, meat that is even better than my meat puns. Don't miss their Black Friday Your Way sale, now live. This November, get your favorite meat free for a year. That is one year of free steak, salmon, salmon chicken, or bacon when you subscribe to any box right now. Better yet, when you subscribe on goodranchers.com, you not only get a free gift of meat worth up to 480 bucks, you also get $15 off with code Knolls. The only deal your grocery store offers is on expiring foods. So ditch that meat aisle, subscribe at goodranchers.com. It's the best meat out there. The prices are unbelievably low. And then you get incredible freebies on top of that. I don't know how their finances work, but it's just amazing. These guys are the best in the business. Claim your year of free meat, 15 bucks off and free shipping with code Knowles, W L A S at GoodRanchers.com. Good Ranchers is the number one place to get all American beef, pork, chicken, and seafood. Seafood. You ever do that when you were a kid? You like seafood? Well, you can do that with Good Ranchers. Go use promo code Knowles, GoodRanchers.com. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. The issue of Israel-Palestine is splitting the liberals. There's a House Democrat who is just quitting the Progressive Caucus because the squad and the young members of the Progressive Caucus are very anti-Israel, very pro-Palestine. And she's very pro-Israel. This is Lois Frankel. I know that there are a lot of right-wingers out there who don't have strong feelings on the Israel-Palestine conflict. It's, It's not my top priority. I feel bad for the innocent people being killed. I, I don't like that it's a flashpoint that can destabilize the world. But it's, it's not my top issue. Some, for some people, they care very passionately about it. For me, it's not the top issue. It is, however, I think everyone has to agree. It is an excellent wedge issue with the left. The American people still broadly, overwhelmingly agree that they support the state of Israel. Regardless of what you're seeing online or some of the super avant-garde online communities, support for the state of Israel is still the overwhelmingly popular opinion in the United States. On the left, it's much more split because the radical left, which is increasingly represented in Congress, despises the state of Israel because they view the state of Israel as a colonial, settler, white, European enclave in what ought to be the Muslim, Arab, Middle East. And they hate the state of Israel with a burning, fiery passion. And you also have Democrats who vigorously, strongly support the state of Israel. So if you're a conservative, what do you do? You exploit that wedge that's just smart politics. I don't think there's anything immoral about that. I don't think there's anything unjust about that. I think we want to weaken our opponents here in the United States. This is a great issue on which to do it. Just as we want on the domestic social issues to split the feminists from the pro-LGBT activists, and we can do that over the trans issue, which is a wedge there, so too we should split the Democrats in Congress, the Progressive Caucus, on this issue of Israel-Palestine. Even if you don't care about it at all, which I know a great many people don't care about this issue, it it will still, even if you don't think one bit about the holy land, it will still benefit you domestically. So one good reason to, uh, like the Iran-Iraq war, in the progressive caucus, you kind of just want both sides of the Democrats to lose. Speaking of this issue splitting the libs, it's splitting them outside of government too. Susan Sarandon, big lib Hollywood actress, was just dropped by UTA, her talent agency, for her pro-Palestine rant. She was going on and on. She said, Jews are finally feeling what it's like to be Muslim in the United States. Which is a, a kind of an interesting rewriting of history. That now, apparently, Muslims are the ones who have always felt uh, like the outsider, who have always felt uh, like they're not totally welcome in society. It, but I, I don't know that that's a totally accurate representation. The libs still, they invert reality quite a lot. And so what Susan Sarandon went on to say was, you don't have to be Palestinian to care about what's happening in Gaza. I stand with Palestine. No one is free until everyone is free. Uh, that's not true, by the way. That doesn't, that's a completely meaningless statement. I have no idea what that means. You could say there's no justice for anyone until there's justice for everyone. I think that might be true because justice is giving to people what they deserve. But freedom is not that. An individual can be perfectly free even in a tyrannical slavish society. Freedom is not contingent upon other people. Freedom is the perfection of the will which is contingent on the perfection of the intellect. You can be free even sitting in a jail cell so I, I, I don't know what she's talking about, but she says a lot of crazy things. Anyway, as a result of this, she was dropped from her talent agency, which is not, it's actually not the best look. If, if you're concerned about rising anti-Semitism in the United States, it's not the best look for the Hollywood talent agencies to say, hold on, you oppose the state of Israel, you'll never work in this town again. How dare you? There's, there's rising anti-Semitism. So that's not a great look. Either. But broadly speaking, I think Susan Sarandon still is the one who looks bad in this situation. The thing that really gets me about this whole thing is the kefia. If, you, if you're just listening to the show right now, you probably can't see it. Susan Sarandon, this, this white Hollywood liberal, is wearing a, a Palestinian kefia. She's wearing the same thing that Hamas would be wearing. And you think, okay, guys, I've said this from the beginning, getting back to my point on, you know, even if you don't really care about this war in the Middle East, you know, it's not, you don't want to be on the side with Hamas generally, Right. Generally, I think that's a safe bet. You don't, when Osama bin Laden's letter to America was going viral, you don't actually have to hand it to Osama bin Laden ever under any circumstances. Susan Sarandon wearing the keffiyeh, what does she think would happen if she moved to Gaza <laughs> with all of her liberal nonsense? Do you think they would welcome her with open arms? For a brief period, they probably would for the propaganda. But I don't think she would fit in very well with Hamas or Hezbollah or Palestinian Islamic jihad. It's just so preposterous. And obviously, she hasn't thought one, one iota about it. This is, this is my kind of issue. The kind of issue that can get a latte-sipping Hollywood liberal to use the old caricature, to wear the, the wartime garb of jihadis, that is, that is an issue that has driven a people mad. Now, speaking of picking sides, Bob Vander Plaats, who's the president and CEO of The Family Leader, which is an evangelical group, he just announced that he is endorsing Ron DeSantis for president.
1: I'm thrilled to throw my personal endorsement and support uh, behind Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. We need to find somebody who can win in 2024. And what we saw in 2022, the supposedly red wave really only happened in Florida and in Iowa. Uh, Governor DeSantis took a reliable toss-up state in Florida and made it complete red, won by 20 points, won in demographics that we haven't won in. But he's also done that by being a bold and courageous leader. So right away, it was kind of his endorsement to lose. But as you know, Brett in Iowa, uh, they go to church with us. They're in our homes. They come to our offices, the leadership summit. But at last Friday's Thanksgiving Family Forum, he closed the sale with me. He was very clear about we need a president who can serve two terms, not one term. We don't need a president that's going to be a lame duck on day one. You need a president that's going to surround themselves with the best and brightest people versus having a hard time attracting them again. And someone is actually going to do what they say they're going to do. And I just think he's got the spine to do it. And I think he's got the experience to win for us.
0: That's a big endorsement, big Iowa endorsement. This follows a big endorsement from Kim Reynolds, who's the governor of Iowa. So what does it all mean? I'll give you my answer in one word in just one second. First, though. We turn to to creatures that are not able to articulate any words at all. That would be your dog. And even so, you need to feed your dog rough greens. Right now, go to roughgreens.com slash Michael. The holidays are here. While you're out shopping for your kids, your family, your friends, don't forget to shop for your pets too. Give your dog the gift of a healthier and happier life with rough greens. Naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black, the founder of Rough Greens, is focused on improving the health of every dog in America. Dog food might as well be considered dead food, if you ask me, because it contains very little nutrition. You think about it, nutrition is not brown, it's green. Let Rough Greens bring your dog's food back to life. Rough Greens is a supplement that contains all the necessary vitamins, minerals, probiotics, omega oils, digestive enzymes, and antioxidants that your dog needs. You don't need to go out and buy new dog food, you just sprinkle Rough Greens on your food, every day dog owners everywhere are raving about rough greens it supports healthy joints improves bad breath boosts energy levels and so much more right now get your free jumpstart trial bag so your dog can try it a free jumpstart trial bag delivered straight to your door in just a few business days go to roughgreens.com slash michael or call 844 rough one two three that's r-u-f-f greens.com slash michael m-i-c-h-a-e-l or call 844 rough one, two, three, today. The best deals of the year are here. And yes, it includes 50% off new annual Daily Wire Plus memberships. You will get ad-free, uncensored, exclusive content from all your favorite Daily Wire hosts, along with groundbreaking entertainment and documentaries that are reshaping our cultural landscape. But there are so many more deals happening now inside the first ever Dailywire Black Friday shopping guide. Find 25% off the perfect stocking stuffer Jeremy's Chocolate. Not only are the famous he, him, and she, her chocolate bars back in stock, we are introducing Christmas-themed chocolate bars with peppermint and dark chocolate. Very exciting. All 25% off right now. Shop all of the Black Friday deals now inside the Daily Wire gift guide. That is dailywire.com slash Black Friday. The DeSantis campaign is all in on Iowa. They've already signaled that. They pulled their staff out of other states. They moved them to Iowa. Iowa first in the nation. Caucus. Big deal. They want to regain any momentum in the race in Iowa. And DeSantis has done a good job on the endorsement front. He just got the endorsement of a major evangelical leader in Iowa. And he got the endorsement of the governor of Iowa, who, by all accounts, is a fairly popular governor. And yet, and yet, Trump is still up. And he's not up 10 or 20 points. He's up 40 points. So, what does that mean? It means that the endorsements don't seem to be mattering as much this cycle as they have perhaps in past cycles. It means that people's minds seem to be relatively made up. It seems that the people are less persuadable than the elites within the Republican Party. The elites, the operators, the office holders, the political players they seem to be able to go from side to side. They sit on the fence sometimes. Then only at the last minute do they endorse a candidate. But the people seem to have their minds relatively made up. Vanderplatz says, look, the candidates here, they're not, they're not distant. They come to church with us. They sit down in our civic associations. They come into our living rooms. That's true. That's always been true. But why aren't the polls moving? We could find out, the, the caucuses are in January. We could find out that all the polls were totally wrong. But I don't think that all the polls are totally wrong. One or two polls, maybe. I don't think that all the polls, weighted properly by Real Clear Politics for now, what, 16, 17, 18 months, I don't think they've all been totally wrong by 40 points. It tells me that this race is much, much less dynamic than previous races because you've got a guy who's running effectively as an incumbent. First guy in over 100 years who's running for his non-consecutive second term as president. And even if it works, I, I, I'm not trying to rain on the parade of the DeSantis campaign here, but even if it works, the last time Iowa predicted the Republican nominee was 2000 with George W. Bush. And then obviously 2004, he, he runs for re-election. But 08 they picked Huckabee, 12 they picked Santorum, 16 they picked Cruz. So if you're a DeSantis campaign strategist, why are you putting all your eggs on Iowa? Even if you could win Iowa, there's no evidence that that helps you get the nomination. There's a lot of evidence it doesn't. Unless this is just a hail mary. Unless DeSantis is saying, "Well, I can't win New Hampshire. I can't win South Carolina." I can't win Nevada, maybe? They pulled out of— I'm not sure. They pulled out of Nevada. I mean, I I think that Trump is basically going to win it all. But even so, why pull campaign staff out of Nevada to go to Iowa? Unless you want to be able to say, well, we got one state, and I don't know, and then make a play for some future position. It's looking like there is a consensus being formed here. It's looking like after a long primary with no changes whatsoever— broadly speaking, people are beginning to settle in, even if some big endorsements are going on the other side. Now, speaking of rivalries, this is a story I meant to get to a couple days ago. Big story. Glad it's finally making the national news. An ugly feud, writes the Wall Street Journal, is rocking the blue-blooded Mayflower Society, looming over Thanksgiving. The organization battling with a pilgrim descendant, quote, I'm pissed. I was having dinner with my friend on Sunday night when this Wall Street Journal headline popped up. And he turns to me and goes, You're not going to believe this. He said, There's a, he goes, Have you heard there's a big feud in the Mayflower Society? The Mayflower Society is like 130 years old or so. I think it's 126 years old. In the entire 126 year history of the Mayflower Society, I don't know that it has ever made a national headline. And now, Two weeks after the launch of Mayflower Cigars, mostly sold out, though maybe you can check the website, mayflowercigars.com. I think there's still, there might be a handful of packs that have trickled in for pre-order. 21 plus, some exclusions apply. You, You know the drill. Two weeks after the launch of Mayflower Cigars, the Mayflower Society makes national headlines. All nature is but art unknown to thee. All chance direction which thou canst not see. I love this story. I mean, I think it's ridiculous. The story is basically that one of the members of the Mayflower Society is just totally obsessive about legal documents. And he read the Mayflower Society Charter, which is quite old. And he read Massachusetts State Law. And he said that there's a little bit of a conflict here between the Charter and the Massachusetts State Law. And the other members of the Mayflower Society very rightly said, yeah, okay, Bob, like sit down, who cares? And this guy, what's his name? Charlie Morgan is suing. This has been a protracted legal battle. The society finally kicked him out because they said he was so annoying. And he said, absolutely not. I demand to be reinstated in the Mayflower Society. And you need to change your charter because we're open to massive legal liability, which I don't think, I think the Massachusetts prosecutors have other subjects on their mind beyond the bylaws of the Mayflower Society. But I I love the whole story and I love the Mayflower Society. I think I might be the youngest member of the Mayflower Society in the entire country. There are a lot of people who have Mayflower ancestors, but not a lot of people have gone through the process of tracing them back and providing the documentation. My grandfather was really into genealogy, so he did it for our family. I think there are 31,000 members worldwide of this group, And I love that it's in the news. And it's not just because I love the story of the Mayflower, and I love the pilgrims, and I love America. It's really not just because of that. I love the very notion of a genealogical society. I love when people care about their family and their family history and their family's role in history, period. I like that. I think that's deeply conservative. And I think we live in an age where we, we ignore the past broadly, we, we neglect our families, we move away from our families, we don't care what our families have to say, we don't feel obligation to our families. And we, if we think about the past at all, we think about it negatively. We, we condemn our ancestors and our forebears. And we think that we're the most brilliant people in the world because we've got an iPhone and we can Google things that a generation ago, five-year-olds would have known. And we think we're really smart because of that. I love the idea of a genealogical society because we live in a very abstract age where we think that we're just atoms floating in the ether, where we think that we're just born into a state of nature without any ties or obligations, where we think that we're all just totally undifferentiated, that a people and another people are totally uh, substitutable for one another, where we think that men and women are basically identical and one can become the other and vice versa. We we live in an age where we don't even recognize national borders. And we say anybody is an American if you only believe it in your heart. And that isn't true. That just isn't true. People are different. Families are different. Cultures are different. History has a big effect on that. And conservatives ought to prefer the particular to the universal, to the abstract, to the distant, the near to the distant, the tried to the untried. I'm paraphrasing the great political philosopher, Michael Oakeshott here. We, we ought to have an affection for our own, for our own history, our own culture, our own land, our own shared experience. And so I, I don't like that the Mayflower Society is, in, is embroiled in this high-stakes feud. But I do like that it's making headlines. And I think that we all ought to take a little bit more care for our own families and our own family history. And we can do that while we smoke Mayflower cigars. Speaking of making babies, a little bit of a hard transition, as it were. There's a headline here that I totally believe. I don't usually trust the scientists, but on this issue, I do. Scientists warn sex toys can cause diabetes. Now, if you're listening to this show, you're probably, you know, you're a wholesome person. You're not, you probably don't do too much of this. But if you're you're involved in this, get rid of it. It will give you diabetes, according to the scientists. How is that? Well, because microplastic particles from numerous sources are ingested and absorbed into the bloodstream. This is true when you drink a bottle of water. This is true as you just move about our environment, which has some pollution in it. But apparently, it's especially true with sex toys, which are far less regulated. And which can include higher uh, levels of phthalates which can affect hormone levels and in present concentrations exceed US consumer warnings. They outline here the four types of currently available sex toys that are the worst offenders. I'm not going to read those out because they're gross and I don't even want to think about it anymore. But this is the kind of story that I totally buy because it proves a point that I've long thought, which is one doing weird sex stuff has negative consequences, even if you can't foresee them. And two, doing weird stuff, period, often has negative consequences, even if you can't foresee it. Very few people would ever think, well, I'm debating using a sex toy, but I sure don't want to get diabetes someday. You wouldn't even think about it. You wouldn't think that there's any connection between those things. And yet there can be. Well, I really want to do this thing or that thing, but I don't want to catch monkeypox. Well, okay, all right. That's That was an issue that a couple of years ago, some New Yorkers especially were dealing with. But I, I love the the rule applied even more broadly. It's such a conservative point of view. Forget the weird sex stuff for a second. Conservatives tend to prefer the tried to the untried. The familiar to the unfamiliar. In part out of prejudice. Because we're not going to write a 20-page research paper on every single question that we have in the day. We're just going to have to go on our gut instinct, otherwise you wouldn't be able to get out of bed. And when we see that something has been done everywhere for all of human history, just about everywhere on earth, certainly every civilized place on earth, we tend to believe that's a good behavior and we ought to consider adopting it or continuing it. When we see... That a certain behavior or conception has never been practiced anywhere on earth ever until, say, five minutes ago. We tend to recoil from that. A great example of this would be marriage. For all of human history, virtually everywhere on earth, marriage has meant something and it's involved sexual difference and complementarity. About eight years ago, a romantic poet sitting on the Supreme Court decided to totally invert that idea. And a lot of people said, well, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? What could go wrong? What could go wrong by redefining the fundamental political institution? What could go wrong by inverting the conception of human nature that we've had everywhere on earth for all of human history? I don't know. I, I can't, I, I do know. I could list a hundred different things that could go wrong, but there, there are actually a thousand. There are 2,000 things that could go wrong. You couldn't even predict that sex toys will give you diabetes. Surely you can't predict all of the unforeseen consequences that come along with redefining reordering fundamental aspects of our politics which is why we ought to proceed with a great deal of caution when we do such things if we wish to proceed that way at all you got to protect your political order and the fundamental political unit is the family when you, when you want to protect the family when you want to protect just yourself you got to check out pack shield Right now, go to packshield.com promo code Knowles. P A K shield.com promo code Knowles. Whether you are a parent, a frequent traveler, or simply an individual seeking enhanced personal safety, you got to check out PackShield. PackShield is a ballistic insert that fits into backpacks, messenger bags, and briefcases. The inserts meet the National Institute of Justice and 3A standards to stop a 44 Magnum. PackShield comes in a variety of sizes and colors, so they can be easily transferred from bag to bag and weigh less than most textbooks. And laptops. When properly packed in your bag, this remarkable insert can provide an extra layer of protection. It is stressful to think about a situation where you might need Pack Shield, but it's worth it to be ready. Pack Shield provides extra peace of mind, but it's important to know how to carry it correctly. Pack Shield should never be used for any reason other than personal defense. So pack some protection and some peace of mind with Pack Shield. Check them out for yourself at packshield.com, promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, for 20 to 0% off. That is P-A-K-SHIELD.com, promo code Knowles for 20% off today. My favorite comment yesterday is from Aaron Canfield, 76, who says, when Snoop actually quits weed, that will be the day that lambs have come to lay with lions. So true. So, so true. That is one, that's in one of the lesser remembered passages about the apocalypse. And in that day, Snoop Dizzle-dee-doo dog will lay down his sin spinach. Okay, I said forget about weird sex stuff for a second. We're now going to go back to the weird sex stuff because I missed a very important holiday. We are heading into Thanksgiving. Then we will be in Advent. Then we will have Christmas. Then we will have New Year. Then we will have Arbor Day at some point. But there's one holiday more sacred than any of them according to our political elites. That is, of course, the trans- Day of Remembrance.
1: Now, today on Transgender Day of Remembrance, we grieve the 26 transgender Americans who were killed this year. Year after year, we see that these victims are disproportionately Black women and women of color. No one should face violence, live in fear, or be discriminated against simply for being themselves.
0: This is a perfect example of fake news. Exactly what I was talking about at the top of the show. The fake news is not that 26 trans-identifying people died last year. That's probably real news. The fake news is the, the focus on and supposed significance of that story. How many people die in any given year? How many people die from car accidents? How many people die from muggings? How many people die every weekend in Chicago from being shot by gangsters? A lot more than that. A lot more than 26. But we focus on the the 26 victims of the anti-transgender violence. First of all, it's not exactly anti-transgender violence. In virtually all, not all of these cases, but virtually all of them, in the vast majority, this is cases of drug deals gone wrong, of prostitution schemes gone wrong. Uh, This is, these are people, I'm not excusing uh, death in any way, but these are people who are putting themselves in extremely dangerous situations where they would be in great danger whether or not they identified as trans. How many transgender-identifying people kill themselves every year? A lot more than 26, that's for sure. So, we say this is the day of remembrance. Okay. The focus on that is what is the fake news? If if we were to bring up the number of white people who were harassed, say, uh, because of the color of their skin, that would never make it into any mainstream news outlet if we were to bring up the number of Christians who were persecuted for their faith, Christianity is the most persecuted religion in the world. You don't need to take my word for it. That's not the right-wing daily wire analysis. Of it. That's from the Pew Research Center, okay? That's from a number of groups that investigate these sorts of questions. They say that Christianity is the most persecuted religion in the world. You would never get that sense from the establishment media because they just don't talk about that. As we focus on problems that we've decided early, early on uh, from the very beginning are the, the greatest threat to the country. And then we find any example to fit it. The greatest example of this is, is Derek Chauvin and George Floyd. There was a preconceived narrative that cops were killing innocent black men in America and it wasn't true and it's not true today. But then they finally found one case where it kind of looked like a cop was, was persecuting and kind of looked like an innocent black man. And the details are a lot cloudier than that, but that, that was all the left needed. They said, finally, we got our example to prove the story we already wrote. Okay, let's burn the country down. And that's what they did. And that's what they're doing here as well. And you see it coming out of the White House. Speaking of leftism in government, there's a leaked NSA document that is defining all sorts of woke terms. Now, this is we're not talking about the, I don't know, EPA... We're not talking about the Department of Education even. We're not talking about one of these silly government agencies, the Office of Personnel Management. We're talking about the NSA, no such agency, This shadowy government agency that collects all of your data and knows everything about you and can really punish you if they want to. This group is defining in its diversity glossary uh, white Europeans as being responsible for settler colonialism. This, this group, the NSA, is attacking white fragility. The, the, the NSA is warning of trans misogyny. There are over 327 DEI terms listed over 34 pages with words like zer and whiteness and pansexual. This report coming from Spencer Lindquist of the Daily Wire. And it reminds me, this is nothing new. The adoption of these left-wing terms by mainstream groups is nothing new. I happen to write a book about it called "Speechless: Controlling Words, Controlling Minds." Great to pick up for hello, hello. No one's in the office today. Everyone's already on vacation. Great to pick up for Black Friday and for Christmas. The the left coins these crazy terms and redefines these ideas, but that's not the end of the story. They then have to Im- impose it on the mainstream. That's the harder challenge, and they've succeeded at it in Chris Rufo's excellent new book. uh, he points out that Angela Davis, the communist terrorist from the 60s and 70s, black power activist, she bragged, she has bragged in recent years about how terms that were on the radical left fringe are now in the mainstream. Terms like white supremacy, all the terms associated with intersectionality, they're in the mainstream now. They're in, and because words are not merely tools that we use to communicate, but they actually constitute much of our consciousness. When you can just get those terms into the air, then that that forms the lens through which everybody, conservatives included, very often view the world. Okay, before we move on to member block, there's one story out of New York about illegal aliens who, you know, in the words of even liberal Democrat Mayor Eric Adams, illegal aliens... Uh, and the migrant crisis they've caused could destroy New York City. Well, now some New Yorkers, not just politicians, on the ground New Yorkers are pushing back because illegal aliens are getting free Thanksgiving food ahead of the poor New Yorkers. A food fight in one neighborhood in Queens between NYCHA tenants and newly arrived migrants. Fox
1: size Ashley Rodriguez shows us how tensions are growing with not enough food to go around. Why do we have to take the butt of everything, okay? This community here is already suffering. The residents living in NYCHA's Queensbridge houses look forward to the mobile food pantries that show up weekly. But over the past year, they have witnessed 8,000 migrants move into their neighborhood. And they've also noticed the migrants are also starting to take their stuff. They was first online for the turkeys
0: this morning. If they tell you to be there at 11 o'clock. You get there like, 10:30, 10:45, but they already out there. The line is from over there to over here.
1: Free food giveaways, especially during the holidays, have become a source of tension between longtime New Yorkers struggling to get by and newly arrived migrants who are using the system to survive. A month ago, one altercation got so heated between a resident and a migrant, someone ended up in the hospital. We would never turn anyone away for a meal, but there simply just is not enough for both native residents and the migrant shelter residents
0: what the left does brilliantly here is they exploit a little kernel of truth to invert the truth it's like it's the fake news which is they say well in your charity especially on thanksgiving you should of course share with the stranger and the foreigner yeah of course i totally agree with that but does that mean that that in order to fulfill that uh act of charity, we should take things away from our fellow countrymen, that we should deny to the poor here in America the food on Thanksgiving so that we can give it to foreigners who have exploited our system and broken our laws. I don't, that's not what that means. That would, that's rather unjust. I don't find that particularly charitable at all. Yeah, we're going to go into one of the worst neighborhoods in New York, and we're going to take away food from all you guys, all you poor New Yorkers, and we're going to give it to illegal aliens who break our laws, many of whom are mobbed up with the cartel. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Even if you want to give to the, to the foreigner, it's a, it's a violation of charity for your fellow men because charity does, in fact, begin at home. And This is an abundant country. There's a lot to go around. But this is a part of a deeper ideology that says not only should we not prefer the familiar to the foreign, not only should we not prefer the near and the practical to the abstract and the universal, we should actually only prefer the abstractions. We should only support the foreigners. We should totally deny any sense of filial piety, patriotism, Or concern for our community. Not a very good message for Thanksgiving. So that wouldn't be the message of the pilgrims, no, Siree. Nothing American about that. The rest of the show continues now. You don't want to miss it. Become a member, use code Knowles, KNWLAS to check out for two months free on all annual plans.